Howdy, online family. Thanks for tuning in to the Grace Church of Ocala podcast. We are equipping disciples who make disciples in Ocala, Florida. I'm Ryan Gagnon. We're going to be hearing today from Pastor Michael Lockstanfor as he begins our latest sermon series, Can You Hear Me? Learning How Prayer Works. We've prayed about how best to meet our community with the gospel message of Jesus. We believe this digital component is a way of meeting the community here on the internet. That's you. We hope God uses it to both encourage and challenge you. We also ask that you serve a local church body. Remember, you can't be the church by yourself. Prayer may be the most churchy of church words. If it's not, it's definitely in the top five. We use it so often, it can become a social response to bad news as opposed to what God designed it for. Please don't misunderstand. Prayer is powerful and incredibly important. The problem is we don't always look at it that way. Prayer is an opportunity to communicate with the Creator. We can get a glimpse of what God is doing in our lives, be confronted by Him, or even comforted by Him. So Pastor Michael does a wise thing this week. He begins at the beginning. He asks the question, where does prayer start? Let's listen in together as we learn from Genesis 28 that every talk with God begins on His end. Well, good morning, church. (laughs) Um, If you're a guest with us this morning, I want to welcome you. You might not be aware that we're in the middle of a big story here as a church body. Um, Last week, uh, we had Pastor Todd with us, and Pastor Todd's been leading us for the last four years. And this week, we don't have Pastor Todd with us, and now I have stepped into that role, which is a little bit intimidating. and that is, like, today is the day. Today is the, we're, we've switched gears. We started in one gear, we're in a different gear. Um, but we've been planning that shift for the last couple of months. And so as we sat down to plan out what the next year or so looks like, what the um, sermon series are going to be, uh, you know, when you're becoming the pastor, like, what's the first series that you teach on? Where do you go when, you know, it's, it's where you start? And, and, and look, I don't want y'all to be looking at me. So I said, you know what? We're going to do prayer <laughs> because that's where I'm going to be. And that's where I feel like we as a body need to be as we are making this, as we have made this shift and we're going to start moving together and we still have, we are moving together and we're continuing this momentum that Pastor Todd has set up for us. We need to remember that it's not us who does the work, that it's God who works in and through us for his good purpose. So we're starting this series, Can You Hear Me? Have you ever felt like you were calling God and you keep looking down at your phone going like, did I lose the call? I'm, I'm talking to you, but I don't, you're not calling back. Like I don't hear anything back. It's just static. Like I've said something and God, it doesn't feel like you're responding. As we talk about prayer and we talk about our relationship with God and we talk about talking about talking to God, lots of talking, where do we start? Now, when you come to the Bible, there are some passages, and we're going to get to them where it says, step by step, uh, if you want to pray, this is how you pray, A, B, C, D. They give you a list. Theologians love those lists. Like we as people like to organize God's thoughts into like a checklist. Like I can do this. But if you come to the Bible, if you look at the Bible, more than half of this 
is stories, is history, is biographies about people and how God worked through them. So as we started this new series about prayer, I wanted to be sure that we don't come to the Bible with like, okay, I've got this question, like what's the checklist? But I wanted to start with a story because oftentimes that's how God explains what it is that he wants to do. He explains with a story. So will you walk with me through this this morning? Are you ready, church? Yes, okay. So we are going to be in Genesis chapter 28. It's the very first book of the Bible. If you're using these story Bibles, and I think we've got a couple stacked around, is on page 18. So right at the very beginning. 28. Page 18 in the story Bibles. That's where we're going to be. And we're going to be talking about a guy named Jacob. Look, this is exciting. It's not every time that you go to the Bible to hear a Bible story that you can pronounce the guy's name. So everybody say with me, Jacob. Jacob. We know this one. This is going to be fun. So we pick up in chapter 28 in the middle of Jacob's story. Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and directed him, you must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. Arise, go to Padam Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take as a wife from there one of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. May he give you the blessing of Abraham, or may he give the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you, that you may take possession of the land of your sojournings that God gave to Abraham. Thus Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Padan Aram, to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob, and Esau's mother. Okay, so we're dropping in the middle of a story. There's a bunch of names in there. Not all of them that we can pronounce, but we can pronounce Jacob. Say Jacob with me. Jacob. That's who we're talking about. We're talking about Jacob. Now, Jacob's dad's name is Isaac. We can say that one too. Say Isaac. Isaac. And Isaac's dad, Jacob's grandfather, his name's Abraham. Can you say Abraham? Okay. So what's happening in this scene is Isaac, Jacob's father, is telling Jacob, you got, you're going to get married. Don't pick from these ladies. Like the ladies in this town, the ladies in this country are not real good. They don't have good character. Go back to this other place and pick a wife from there. But what we didn't read was that Jacob had just stolen his inheritance from his older brother, whose name was Esau. You got it. I heard it over here. We got Esau. Somebody stole. So Jacob is this guy, and he's a little bit oily. He's not a clean-cut character. Like, like, if you come to the Bible, you're like, oh, the, everybody who gets their name in the Bible must, like, glow. Like, if you were walking around in Bible times, the people with halos, like, you're going to be mentioned in the Bible. He's not like that. Jacob's kind of an oily guy. His name actually means trickster. And he, he, he pulled one over on his older brother. His older brother got the inheritance, which means he got all the cows, he got the house, he got the land, he got the inheritance. Well, Jacob just stole his inheritance from his older brother Esau. And so when Jacob steals this, Isaac turns around and says, hey, you got to get out of town. I'm, I'm telling you to go pick a wife from somewhere else, but it's just not safe for you to be here. Because another detail of the story is that Jacob was a wiry cat. Like, he's, he's, he's real skinny. He's, he, he works in the field, like, in, in, in gardening. He's a gardener. And, you know, I, I kind of relate to that. But he's not like this big, but his brother Esau, big, beefy, hairy dude. This is like Tyler Hoffler walking in there. You stole my inheritance. And he's just like, eh. So there's this conflict that's going on. 
Jacob's life is in danger. Isaac tells him to leave. Are, are we in it? You get, you get the stakes here, right? So what does Isaac tell him to do? Hey, leave and go find a wife, but may the blessing of Abraham be given to you. You're talking about grandpa? Like, why are you talking about grandpa? See, grandpa was another dude that God picked up and God wanted to do something in his life and he pulled him out of a, of a different country and he moved him to a different place and God did all these amazing things with Grandpa Abraham and made all these incredible promises to Grandpa Abraham and so now Isaac is telling his son, yeah, Isaac is telling his son Jacob, I hope that God gives you the promises that God gave to your Grandpa Abraham. How many of you guys have a grandpa who goes to church every Sunday super religious? How many of your dad kind of goes to church sometimes, but really just talks about what God did in, in grandpa's life? This is it. This is it. Hold on. We're talking about the Bible. I want you to understand. This is a normal family. God did something incredible in Abraham's life, and some of those promises went to Isaac, but they went to Isaac to go to Jacob. But Isaac, you know, he doesn't do some, he does some really sketchy stuff in the family. And then Jacob does some really sketchy stuff in the family. But Jacob doesn't know God. All he knows is that grandpa was super religious and went to church and talked about God all the time. Grandpa's a little bit loopy. I don't know. It's not my story. That's grandpa's story. So in this time where Jacob's life is on the line, where he's being threatened by his brother, Isaac, his dad, says to him, I hope that the promises that God gave to your grandfather, God also gives to you. That's not my story. I got to go do my own thing. I just stole this inheritance. Like I've got, I've got some money in the bank maybe, but not really. It's kind of <laughs> when you steal sheep, like how do you move that? <laughs> Especially when your brother's like bigger than you. So anyway, all right, I just want to read one thing to show you how normal this family is. We're going to read this next section in Genesis chapter 28, beginning in verse number six. Now this is just so you can see your family's not strange. This family is normal. <clears throat> now, I, now Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padan Aram to take a wife from there and that he blessed him and directed him, you must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. And that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and had gone to Padanaram. So when Esau saw that the Canaanite women did not please Isaac, his father, Esau went to Ishmael, which is another country, and took as his wife, besides the wives that he had, Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebaioth. See, see what happened is Jacob, or I'm really trying to keep the name straight for you. <clears throat> Isaac told Jacob to go pick a wife from another land because the ladies here in this country aren't good. Esau has wives from that country, and he sees what's going on with Jacob, and he's like, so dad doesn't like my wives. Well, I'll just go somewhere else, and I'll get another wife. You see the sibling rivalry there? It's a little bit messed up, and I'm not telling you go pick up extra wives. I'm just saying this is what happened. Don't pick up an extra wife to make your dad happy. Invest in the wives and the relationship that you have. Okay, so you get, but you feel that, right? You've had your brother or your sister that treats you like that. Well, dad's telling them to do that. Like, I got to do it. I got to one up. Dad's not going to like him better. And this is an ongoing thing. This happens all throughout the story. The story is really messed up. And it's amazing that God is able to do anything. But hey, God is getting ready to do something. God's getting ready to show up in this story to Jacob in a way that he never has before. So let's read it together. We're in Genesis chapter 28, and we're going to begin in verse 10. 
Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he's on his way. He's making this journey. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of, God's, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I promised to you. Let's pause there. So you see what happens. Jacob is on the road. He's leaving to go do this thing. His life is kind of in danger, and he lays down to sleep. He's going to bed. What does he use as a pillow? Rocks. How empty are your pockets for you to be sleeping on rocks? Camping's camping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's out on the run. He's on the limb. He doesn't have anything. All he has to lay his head down on is a rock. So he puts a rock down. He lays down. I got to get some shut eye. I got a long way to go. And as he's going, he has this dream. And he sees that there's a ladder. And it's, it could be a ladder. It could be a staircase. It could be like a, a ziggurat thing. People want to argue about the details. The point is there is a, a connection point. And the angels of God are going up and down on it. There's a, a connection between the spiritual realm and the world that he can see, and he sees that God is active in it. So he lays down, and he has this dream, and he realizes, oh, all of the stuff that's going on in, in the real world, all the stuff that I can see, that's affected by what God is doing behind the scenes. All that spiritual mumbo-jumbo that Grandpa Abraham talked about all the time, that stuff affects my life. God is active in the real world. So he sees now that the spiritual realm, the thing that he's been ignorant of, the thing that he doesn't really care about so much, those ideas, those concepts are real, and they affect the real world. He sees the connection between heaven and earth. I've just been living my life trying to get ahead. I've done some stuff that maybe I'm not super proud of, but now I see, oh, the spiritual world is connected to the earthly world that I have been able to see. And not only that, God speaks. And God says, hey, I started something with your grandpa. He calls him his father, but that's just, they speak in a different way. This is grandpa. I, talk, I, I was doing stuff with, with Abraham, your grandfather, and I passed that on through Isaac, and now I'm bringing those promises to you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make a big nation out of you. You're running away and going to these different countries. I'm going to make a country out of you, and from you, every other country in the world is going to be blessed. All of the promises that God gave to your grandpa, all of the promises that he passed on to your father, he's going to give to you. See, his history, the story that he had grown up with, the things that grandpa talked about around the campfire, all that stuff that was just for them and kind of, eh, now it's real. 
he comes to a point of realizing that all of this stuff is true and it matters for him. The light bulb comes on. Let's read it. Verse 16, Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. What I've seen here... I was ignorant of until just now. God has opened my eyes and I see that God is here, that heaven and earth are connected and that what happens in the heavenly spiritual realms matters in my life. Like I've just been trying to deal with life and now I'm seeing that there's spiritual forces behind all that. I I keep saying it over and over again. I don't know that I'm making it any clearer, but do you see his revelation? Do you see that what he understood? And what does that mean for our prayer life Every talk with God begins on his end. Whose phone is ringing? Jacob wasn't calling God. Jacob didn't care. He knew about grandpa. He knew about dad, but it wasn't his story. That's history. That's not my story. But it was God who stepped in in a moment of crisis and showed him like, hey, I'm, not, I'm in the middle of something. Jacob, you're off doing your own thing, but I want you to understand I'm in the middle of something. I'm working out a plan, and I'm going to use you for it. Every talk, every time we come to God, we come to God because he called us. You didn't pick your family. Some of us are like, oh, yeah, I didn't pick my family. I wouldn't have picked them at all. (laughs) I certainly wouldn't have picked to be in Ocala. Some of you are like, oh, yeah. We get born into life, and then we have to deal with it. We don't get to pick who we're born to. We don't get to pick our brothers and sisters. We don't get to pick what we know. We don't get to pick what we experience in childhood. Like, what makes us think that our understanding of God starts with us at all? Every talk with God begins on his end. He's in the middle of something. He's working a plan out and hey, I want to use you in it. So he realizes, hey, I didn't know this, but God's doing something. This is God's house. Bethel, house of God. Let's continue reading what his response is in verse 18. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at first. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then the Lord shall be my God, and this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house, and all and of all that you've given me, I will give a full tenth to you. So he wakes up, he realizes this is God's house. It's early in the morning. He takes his pillow, and he sets it up. He pours some oil on it. He doesn't have anything. 
You feel like sometimes you come to God and God's like, I need you to do this and I need you to do this and I need you to do this and I need you to get yourself right. Like, I need you to come to me with, with your stuff together. Do you feel like God will say that to you sometimes? Sometimes people will say that to you about God, but that's not what God says. God says, hey, I'm coming to you. This conversation is starting with me. I'm coming to you. And all I want from you is what you've got. All he has is a rock to sleep on. That's not a lot. God's not impressed with a rock pillow. He's probably got a sleep number bed. He doesn't need no rocks to sleep on. But, but Jacob takes this rock that he's been sleeping on. He sets it up in a, weird, in a weird place. So everybody who sees, like, that rock isn't supposed to be laying that way. What's up with that? And he pours some oil on it. He anoints it. He sets this apart. Like, this is, I need to remember what God did here because I got it. The light bulb came on. The things that I thought were happening are, are, are bigger than I ever could have imagined. And so he makes a little monument. And this is the start of his walk with God. He's no longer ignorant that God exists. He no longer doesn't get that there's a connection between heaven and earth. He sees those things now. But it's the start. This is the start. Hey, the next couple of chapters, we're not going to read them this morning, but the next couple of chapters, he makes some goofy decisions. He ends up leaving Laban's house with four wives. You don't get four wives without some stuff going crazy in your life. And we're going to come back to that next week about how God is continuing to work in his life. But this is the start. And it started with God. Somebody who was just trying to deal with life, just trying to make it through, God stepped in and said, hey, I want to get a hold of you. I want you to understand I'm working a plan. So for us this morning, hey, you're here this morning not by accident. I don't know where you came from. I don't know what, what you thought you were coming for today. But if you're going like, hey, I'm just trying to get through life. I'm just trying to survive. I've got all this pain that I don't know what to do with. I just want to live my life. I don't know. Well, hey, let me explain to you real quick. There's a connection between the spiritual world and the earthly world. There's stuff that God is doing behind the scenes in your life. There are things that are happening that are beyond your understanding. They're beyond my understanding. I can't pretend to know what God's doing in your life. But this is what I know, is that you're here this morning and you're hearing me. And so he wants you to understand that there's a connection. And so what's he asking for you to do? You come to that realization... God, I need to mark this. I need to mark this day. I get it. I get it. I see. What I didn't see before, you know, I don't get shame because I didn't see it before. I just didn't see it before, but now I see it. So I got to do something different today. Because every talk begins with God. So does God have your attention this morning? If it doesn't have your attention, then what's distracting you? We can name those things. You know, is it money? <laughs> Jacob, you realize that God took all his money away. He was trying to steal an inheritance, and then he's sleeping on a rock. Like, the things that are distracting you, are those things worth being distracted from life? Like, real life? The reality of what's going on? Are the things that are distracting you from God having your full attention worth losing your whole life over. And if God does have your attention, how are you going to respond? God's not asking for you to like 
sell all your things and to move to Africa and become a missionary and all those kinds of things. He said, look, what do you have? What do you have that you need to lay down before me? What do you have that you need to anoint and pour oil over and say, I was using this just to live my life in a normal way, but now I realize that I need to use this as a marker for what God is doing in my life. And every time I come back here, I'll remember Bethel, house of God. God met me here. I hesitated to tell you this story, but I'll tell you because I'm not sure that you believe me. I have a rock. And the night that God met me and told me very clearly, and the only time he's ever met me in this way, that, that he wanted me to be a pastor, there was a rock outside the dorm that night. And there's not normally rocks outside the dorm. Not big rocks like this. And so in that encounter with God, I'm a college student. I really don't have anything. And what I do have, I need to eat. But in the night that I met God and that he changed the trajectory of my life from studying music to studying the Bible, and that night I found a rock. And I've carried that rock with me from Virginia to Indiana, and it's here now. And if you've been to my house, you've walked past it. I use it as a doorstop for our front screen. Why? Because I use that door every single day. It doesn't mean anything to you, and that's okay. But I know what that rock is there for. It's a reminder. There's nothing special about it. I'm not asking you to come and see my rock. It's not your rock. It's my rock. The only reason I tell you that is because I want you to know that it's real. Find a rock. God will put it in your I don't know what he's going to do. God does some cool, cool stuff. But my suspicion is if, this is if you're connecting with this and you're saying, God, I don't have a rock. I don't know what you want me to do. I suspect that he is going to put something in your life today that you can set up as a reminder this was the point that God got in and got my attention, that heaven's connected to earth, that this isn't just a church thing. This is a week-to-week-to-week-to-week thing. This is going to change how I live my life. So does God have your attention, what's distracting you, and how you respond? Because every conversation starts with him. We talk about prayer. Every conversation starts with him. You say, well, I heard him at one point, and, this, and I get this, because this is... This is life. We're going to get through this. You say, I heard him. I set up that rock. I've got that rock. I know exactly where it is, Michael. But I've tried to call out to him, and he's not answering me. Hey, that's what the rest of the series is for. That's what we're going to talk about for the next three weeks. But even then, remember that that conversation that you had with God started with him, not because you came looking for him. Let's pray together. Thanks again for listening. We hope you've been challenged, encouraged, and helped by God and His Word. If you want more information about Grace Church of Ocala or would like to get in contact with us, please visit our home on the internet, ocalagrace.org. And if we haven't met yet, we hope to talk with you soon.